shocking news out of New York. It turns out when you release a lot of criminals from prison for no reason, they commit more crimes. This is the unbelievable new conclusion that the geniuses at the New York City government have discovered. You remember at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, when everyone told us that the coronavirus was super duper serious and it was going to kill everybody and it was so dangerous, we had to let people out of prison for it. We had to let them out of prison, presumably so they could show up by the thousands and thousands and riot and loot and protest. At that point, of course, coronavirus was no longer dangerous, though it's now dangerous again that the riots are ebbing. That's all news for a little bit later in the show. Initially, we were told that we had to let those criminals out of prison because it would be cruel not to. We'll let them out. They'll finally be law-abiding citizens. Well, it turns out of the 2,500 uh, defendants sprung from Rikers, 250 have been arrested again already, and they've been re- rearrested 450 times just in the last few weeks during the pandemic. The left is making the same mistake that they have made for the past 300 years at least. They think that politics can be used to fundamentally change human nature. Well, we'll find out why that is just completely untrue. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. All right, a lot to get to today. We've got to get to updates from the peaceful riots, what it means the celebrities have to weigh in. Some pollsters have weighed in as well. Kind of surprising news for the president and for Joe Biden. Maybe, maybe not. Depends how you've been looking at this all along. The liberal protests haven't gotten any better uh, over the past few days. We were told, oh, it's fine. It's ending. Don't worry about it. We're, We're giving these peaceful wonderful rioters space to breathe and to express themselves. And it turns out they're still expressing themselves and they're expressing themselves by breaking things and stealing things and shaking cop cars. Here's just a little update. Take a listen from the peaceful riots. You can hear people screaming. Someone throws a giant metal trash can at a cop car. Then, okay, the light goes on the cop car. Well, still throwing stuff. There are at least hundreds of people around it. And so what's the cop do? Does the cop arrest them? No, they're still throwing stuff at the cop car. And the cop is caught in this impossible position. One, he doesn't have any backup, so they'd probably rip him to shreds if he got out of the car. But but two, even if he did use force, the woke mob would tear him apart and tell him that it was unjust. So the cops just leave and the mobs run the streets. Only one conclusion from this. We need overwhelming force to put down the riots. We need the police departments to use overwhelming force to put down the riots. We need the civil government to back up the police departments in using overwhelming force to put down the riots. And if the local governments won't do it and the state governments won't do it, the federal government needs to come in. We need to fund the police, okay? You've heard other F words about the police. We need to fund the police, okay? And we need to state simple truths as well. Here's one very simple truth. The police are a force for good, period, full stop. That's it. I know that's controversial these days. It is insane that that is controversial these days. The police are a force for good, and the police, when they're doing their jobs, must use force. Now we're being told that the police should not use force. The entire job of the police is to use force. You cannot have law enforcement without force. It's right there in the middle of the word. That's the job. 
A lot of confusion arises from the left getting something totally backwards here. The, the traditional view of law enforcement is that law enforcement exists because crime exists. That's why you always need law enforcement. Even when civil disorder kind of falls apart, you still have groups at least acting as the police because you need to enforce the law. You need to enforce order. Okay. That's the traditional view. But the leftist view is backwards. The leftist view says that crime only exists because law enforcement exists. That's what, the, that's what we're hearing from Black Lives Matter. We're hearing because our neighborhoods are over-policed, that's why crime exists. But if you just took the police out of the neighborhoods, then the crime wouldn't exist. This fundamental misunderstanding explains why rioters torched a Wendy's in Atlanta on Saturday night. We'll get to that in one second. First though, I got to thank our friends over at Wise Foods. You know, you, you know our friends Wise Foods. They've now renamed themselves Ready Wise. You got to be ready because having enough food to last you in the event of a real food emergency is kind of like having insurance, right? You don't, you don't need it until you realize you need it. And it can save you and your loved ones. And looking around society these days, seems like it's about time to uh, stock up. So, you know, you've known Ready, or you've known Wise Company for years. They've changed their name to Ready Wise. Same unbelievable product. It is a better time than ever to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. And ReadyWise has many options like emergency meals, freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition, new adventure meals for hiking, camping, other outdoor activities. ReadyWise meals, they're easy to prepare. That's the first thing I like about them. You just add water. They've got a long shelf life, very long shelf life. So that's another great thing. And then my, my favorite part probably is it tastes good. It's actually high quality food. Go check it out. This week, my listeners can get free shipping at readywise.com when entering Knowles at checkout or by calling 855-453-2945. Readywise has a 90-day, no questions asked return policy, so there's no risk taking the initiative to get yourself and your family prepared today. That is Readywise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com, promo code Knowles to get free shipping. This misunderstanding of the left, which thinks that crime exists because there's law enforcement rather than the other way around, that's why they burned down a Wendy's uh, on Saturday night in Atlanta. So you probably saw the scenes. There was this fire engulfed a whole Wendy's in the middle of Atlanta on Saturday. Why did they do it? They did it because the cops used deadly force against a criminal, against a black man. That was the racial aspect of it, which is the reason that it tied into all of the riots and why, why the Wendy's burned down. Well, what actually happened during that altercation? The way it's being portrayed is that cops went up to a man who was simply sleeping in the parking lot, and these cops almost certainly stone-cold racists killed the man for no reason. Is that what really happened? No. How do we know that that's not what happened? We have body cam footage and we have security camera footage. Let's take a look. Oh, I think you've had too much to drink to be driving. So put your hands behind your back for me. Yeah, put your hands behind your back. Okay, and there the guy, he breaks out. He's got two cops on him trying to arrest him. And this guy, apparently pretty strong, busts out. It's already pretty clear he's drunk or on drugs. He's on the ground. The two cops are trying to subdue him, but they're not using a lot of different techniques, presumably because if the cops use too much force, they're going to have their lives completely destroyed. They're going to be accused of racism. They're going to be accused of all these things, right? So this guy, obviously strong as an ox, is basically tossing these two cops around. Finally, he gets up, steals the cop's taser. Now, still running away, no use of force. Turns around, pulls the taser on the cops, 
possibly, sh- it looks like he shoots. We, I don't know if he shoots or not, but it does look that way. And then the cops discharge their weapons and get him on the ground. Very sad scene. Why is it a sad scene? It's a sad scene because a man died. Why did a man die? Did he die because a bunch of racist cops went out hunting him and shooting him down? Or did he die because he was committing a crime and threatening the lives of those police officers, stealing their weapons, and then unfortunately, very sadly, had to be put down himself? Obviously, it's the latter. The ultimate reason that this is a sad scene, the ultimate reason that this man died is because crime is a very sad thing. There's no, there's no win here, right? What's the win? I mean, I guess the win is more people didn't die. I guess the win is there is some justice, but it's sad to watch. Nobody wants that. Those two cops did not want to kill that guy. How do we know they didn't want to kill that guy? Because they wrestled him. They used every bit of non-lethal force that they could have for minutes beforehand. And then he pulls their taser and they still don't use force. Then he turns around and points it at them. And I, I think pulls the trigger. It's kind of hard to see on the camera. Very sad stuff. And yet not one thing the cops did was inappropriate. If anything, they were timid in their use of force ostensibly because of the environment that we're in right now. Then a bunch of rioters burned down the Wendy's. Why'd they burn down the Wendy's? There, I could see them burning down the police station if they felt this was unjust, even though it manifestly wasn't unjust. You just heard it. You just saw it. But let's say even the, the rioters didn't look at that tape. So they didn't know that the, the killing was perfectly appropriate, albeit sad. What, what did the Wendy's do? What did the, did the, the manager of the Wendy's participate in this? No, not at all. This burning, this rioting has nothing to do with justice. Okay. No one could watch that footage and conclude that that was police brutality. And the people who burn down the Wendy's don't care about the truth or justice. They just want to burn stuff down. They just want to tear stuff down. Great example of this from London over the weekend. There is an activist and apparently an advisor to the London police. She was asked, if a statue of Winston Churchill should come down. Because nothing screams Nazi like Winston Churchill, right? The man who killed Adolf Hitler. Yeah. So she was asked, should this statue come down? And she said, well, I don't know. The question is dependent upon whether or not Churchill was a racist by whatever standards are implied by that word today. And then she said, I don't know if he was a racist or not, because, you know, I I never met Winston Churchill. (laughs) Here she is. Should the statue of Churchill be there or not, do you think? Well, I've heard uh, many arguments on both sides. Some say that he's a racist. Some say that he's a hero. I haven't personally met him. But what I would say is that that question of whether he should remain should be put to the community. She hasn't met him. She hasn't met him yet. Well, I hope maybe she'll meet Winston Churchill before she decides to tear his statue down. Is there any, oh, no, she can't meet him because he died 50 years ago and she has no idea who one of the greatest Britons in all of history is. She doesn't know. And yet she says it should be put to the community. I mean, basically everything she said here is, is crazy because consider that she goes, I have basically, I have no idea who Winston Churchill is. I know nothing about British history and it should be put to the community. You know, all of us, people like us to decide whether or not to tear down British history. 
People are surprised she doesn't know who Winston Churchill is. I'm not. Of course she doesn't know who Winston Churchill is. None of the people who want to tear down the statues know who they are and know anything about them. The people who want to tear down Robert E. Lee in the United States don't know a thing about Robert E. Lee. The people who want to tear down Christopher Columbus don't know a thing about Columbus. And I have a little insight into this in that I've given speeches about Christopher Columbus. I've answered a lot of Q&As about Christopher Columbus. And no one who hates this guy has any idea what they're talking about. And I'll ask them that, and they'll sort of admit they have no idea, and they think the burden of defense is on the people who don't want to tear apart our history. But that's what they want to do. They just want to tear stuff down. You know the craziest thing, speaking of the United Kingdom? In Scotland, a statue of Robert the Bruce was vandalized with with graffiti that talked about Black Lives Matter. Robert the Bruce. It, It said, racist king is what the spray paint said on Robert the Bruce. For those of you who are not history buffs, Robert the Bruce is a 14th century Scottish king who won independence from England. The word racism would have had absolutely no meaning in the time of Robert the, the Bruce. The phrase Black Lives Matter, I think Robert the Bruce would say, Robert the Bruce, you're a racist. He'd say, uh, what? Come again? Before he would have said it with a thicker bro. What? Come again? He would have, I don't know. I can't really do a Scottish accent. That's, I think, the evidence that we need. That this doesn't have to do with any particular incidents of police brutality, real or imagined, in the United States or Great Britain. It has to do with a tearing down of history. If, if Robert the Bruce is now deemed unacceptable, then we are not talking about what people think that we're talking about. They want to tear stuff down. You know, thousands and thousands of people gathered in Brooklyn over the weekend. Coronavirus is not permitted in Brooklyn, so they're all safe, obviously. They were there not merely to protest for Black Lives Matter. They went one step further down the leftist uh, oppression hierarchy. They went to protest for how black trans lives matter. And it turns out the object of their protest is sort of the opposite of the narrative that we've been hearing. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I got to thank our friends over at Ring, speaking of security. Right now, more than ever, my friends, it is important to feel safe in your home. We're home more than usual these days, but it's hard to keep a close eye on things, right? There are more people knocking at your door that maybe you don't want there. I'm not even talking about people who threaten your life. I'm talking about maybe it's your mother-in-law. Maybe your mother-in-law does threaten your life. I don't know. You can check whether you're in your bedroom, whether you're on a beach somewhere, whether you're at the office. You get more deliveries, and more deliveries mean more boxes left unattended, more opportunities for packages to go missing, okay? A lot can happen outside of your front door. You're not always there to check on it in person. Well, with Ring, you can keep your home safe no matter where you are. Get a special offer right now on a Ring welcome kit when you go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. What do you get? You get the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It's all you need to start building custom security for your home today. How do you get it? Go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. You know, I give this to my friends as a housewarming gift. The reason I give it is it's great, it's effective, it makes you feel like you're living in the future, and for me, most importantly, it's not very expensive. Ring.com slash Knowles. Go check it out right now. So thousands of people gather in Brooklyn over the weekend, outside the Brooklyn Museum, in support of black trans lives. Take a listen. And you need to take it, and you need to process it, and you need to keep carrying forward with it every single day of your life. Thousands of people, people for as far as the eye can see all crammed in very tightly together. 
not social distancing, talking about the importance, not just of black lives or it's pride month. So it could be gay or trans lives or whatever, black trans lives. Why did they do this? Why are they tying this in with black lives matter? Because there were two murders in the past few days of black men who identify as women. And this is evidence, not just of racism, but transphobia. And yet, if you look a little more closely at the cases themselves, they undercut the left-wing narrative. So there were two people murdered. The first one was Rhea Milton. Rhea Milton was killed, presumably for being a man who identifies as a woman. And this is evidence of not just racism, but transphobia, except that the two people who have been arrested in connection with the murder are named Caleb Marshall Tucson and Tyree Jeffrey Cross, both of whom are also black men. So this actually has nothing to do with the premise of Black Lives Matter, which is that so there's this spate of anti-black racism around the country and black men are being hunted down because of the color of their skin. The two people who are now being charged with the murder are black men as well. So I guess this could be a rally for trans rights or something, but the racial element just isn't there. And then what about the other, the other man who identifies as a woman? Dominique Remy Fells. This happened in Philly. They don't know who the killer is yet, but the Philadelphia Police Department is investigating. But we've been just told that the police department are the villains. They're the enemy. So why, how could, we can't trust them to investigate, and yet they're the only people doing any investigations. This, this march or this protest in Brooklyn was probably the biggest event that we've seen in a week or two in terms of a protest or even a riot or looting or whatever. It was the biggest demonstration. And yet the, the two central features of it, the racial element and the anti-cop element, don't make any sense. They're completely contradicted by the facts of what they're demonstrating themselves. And this raises the question, this question that a lot of conservatives have been asking and some moderates and nice people all around, should we indulge the premises of Black Lives Matter, which the proponents of Black Lives Matter are presenting this as just simply meaning that black lives matter. And if you're pro-black, then you support it. And if you're anti-black and you're a bigot, then you oppose it. So should we indulge this sort of thing? Or should we recognize BLM for what it is, which is not what it says it is, but actually just a radical leftist Marxist organization that was founded by radical leftist Marxists who openly espouse their Marxism, who are funded by the most radical left-wing donors on earth, who are highly organized, and whose goal is not merely to protect black, black lives, as it were, but to radically overhaul society. I think in my presentation of those two choices, you can figure out which one I'm going for. It would seem pretty clear that this is a radical group. We, we'll get back to this question of, do you indulge it? Do you not indulge it? Just consider the, the different kinds of treatment. So thousands and thousands of people gather in Brooklyn. Totally fine. They're all packed in really tight. No big deal. Meanwhile, President Trump decides he's going to reopen his rallies. So he says, hey, I'm going to have a new rally, you know, coming up in the next few days. The media furious. This is the headline from NBC News extraordinarily dangerous. Trump rally draws grave concerns from top health officials. Now, one hour before NBC News tweeted this out, they tweeted out a generally approving tweet about the Brooklyn demonstrations. Thousands gather in Brooklyn. 
ah, for trans lives, supporting a good cause. Then one hour later, Trump rally draws grave concerns from top health officials. No, it doesn't. It draws grave concerns from leftist politicians and their hacks in the scientific establishment and the media establishment. Trump should absolutely hold his rally. They've lost their credibility at this point, the left and the media. They can't, they can't do it. They turn coronavirus on and off completely at whim, willy-nilly. They've turned it on and off probably three times in the last week. No more. I'm sorry. We can't believe what they say. I wish we could believe what they say, but we can't. They've proven themselves to be liars, and so I guess we're on our own. Trump should definitely go ahead with the rally. There is a problem, though. There's something I've got to ding the president for. I think he's undercutting his own argument. So Trump initially was going to hold this rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Juneteenth. For those of you not familiar with Juneteenth, that's June 19th. It's the day that slaves were liberated in Texas. Trump is going to hold the rally that day. Then he decides, no, there's an outcry. You can't hold the rally in Juneteenth and you can't hold it in Tulsa where there have been racial tensions before. You got to move the day. I was hoping Trump would stand firm saying, no way am I moving the day, but he moved it. He tweeted out, quote, we'd previously scheduled our MAGA rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma for June 19th, a big deal, unfortunately. However, this would fall on the Juneteenth holiday. Many of my African-American friends and supporters have reached out to suggest that we consider changing the date out of respect for this holiday and in observance of this important occasion and all that it represents. I've therefore decided to move our rally to Saturday, June 20th in order to honor their requests. We've already had ticket requests in excess of 200,000 people. I look forward to seeing everyone in Oklahoma. It's weak sauce, man. You know, I love the president. You know, I'm a big supporter. This was a very bad decision to move the date. Not just a little bad, very bad. Why? Juneteenth is the day that the Republican party freed the slaves in Texas. Okay. The party that the president now represents. President Trump has made helping out the black community, a big part of his presidential administration, right? Lowest African-American unemployment ever. And he's touted those kinds of statistics. Actually, he passed criminal justice reform, meaning letting people out of prison in large part to show that he cares about the black community. I thought that messaging was misguided, but that was the, that was the point at least. And now he's saying, no, I can't possibly hold a rally on Juneteenth. He's giving the left the premise. He's saying to the left, the left, the left initially says, Trump, you can't hold a rally because you're a racist and you hate black people. And it's disrespectful for you to hold a rally on a day that celebrates freeing the slaves. And he said, yeah, I guess you're right. They're not right. Their premise is wrong. If anybody should hold a rally on Juneteenth, it should be the Republican president. There's no evidence that he's a bigot at all. There's a lot of evidence to the contrary. And yet he gave them he gave them their argument. I get it. There's a lot of pressure on him. I can't even imagine the pressure that the president's facing right now, but you can't give in. You can't give in one little bit. That's the point. You can't give in one little bit on the police. You can't give in one little bit on the funding. You can't give in one little bit on the ridiculous racial narrative from the left. Cause when you give them just a little bit, you open the floodgates, you open the dam breaks and you get riots and looting and racial division, and discord, and we're seeing it all around us. Now, Trump is being knocked unfairly, I think, for many other things as well. So he's being knocked fairly for the Juneteenth issue. He's being knocked, and, and for specifically for changing the date, he's being knocked unfairly, though, 
for a bunch of other nonsense. And it probably gets to him after a while. President Trump was giving a speech over the weekend and he walked down a ramp and he walked down a ramp, I don't know, like a little bit slowly or something. And the left is having a field day. I think that one's going to flip back on them. It's going to hurt them in the long run. First though, I have got to thank our friends over at LifeLock. Speaking of security, you know, I got to tell you something. It's a real hassle to have your identity stolen. Luckily, I've never had my identity stolen. I've come close. I've made a few mistakes. Friends of mine have had their identity stolen and it's, it's a disaster. Okay. Well, many people continue to work from home on computers and devices. We have a, a large scale phishing campaign going on. All right. Microsoft right now is warning that phishing emails, which appear to be coming from the Johns Hopkins center are trying to trick people to open an attachment, which is disguised as a COVID-19 report, which then downloads a file that gives hackers access to your PCs. Okay, that's happening right now. It's just one example of the zillions of threats out there. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has been compromised, potentially they will send you an alert. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Uh, that is why you got to join right now. Save up to 25% off your first year. Go to lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That's lifelock.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S for 25% off. Use the guys that I trust to protect my identity. So fair knock on Trump, total unfair knock on Trump. He's being criticized for how he walked down the ramp. Take a listen to this. So, okay. Trump is now, he's finished his speech and he's walking sort of fine. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a ramp. It's not like there are stairs. He seems to be a little bit slower than normally he would walk, but obviously he doesn't want to trip and fall. The left would have a field day with that. Then he comes to the bottom, has a little step at the end, and he's looking fine. That's it. And the left is saying he looks like a doddering old idiot or something. If the left is going to try this line of attack against President Trump, when their nominee is Joe Biden, uh, that's not going to work out very well for them. Uh, I think that by comparison, as President Trump told us just a few months ago, Trump looks like a young, vibrant man. Well, I think that uh, I just feel like a young man. I'm so young. I can't believe it. I'm the youngest person. I am a young, vibrant man. I look at Joe. I don't know about him. I don't know. I would never say anyone's too old, but I know they're all making me look very young, both in terms of age and I think in terms of energy. I think you people know that better than anybody. Yeah. A young, vibrant man. And that is how he looks. You know, Joe Biden was just giving a speech and I guess it was sort of a panel, you know, I don't even know. Maybe it was trying to be a speech. It certainly didn't come off as a particularly rousing speech. And Biden is sitting there with one of the face masks dangling off of his ear. It's not on his, it's not on both ears. It's not covering his mouth. It's not on the table. It's just dangling off of one of his ears while he tries to stammer his way through an English sentence. You know, the rapidly rising, uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with, uh, I don't know. Uh, not looking good. That's just a little 11 second clip. Uh, the, the whole speech is more or less of the same energy level and the same coherence. 
I'm not even going to, well, look, we know that Joe can't form an English sentence. I'm not even going to focus on that. I do want to focus on the mask though, because what, what the mask shows us here is that the mask is not primarily a medical tool for preventing the spread of a virus. It is primarily a political symbol. Obviously, dangling from the ear, the mask is not going to do anything to prevent the spread of the virus. His nose is exposed. His mouth is exposed. So why doesn't Joe either put it all the way over his mouth or put it on the table? Because the mask doesn't really seem to do very much. At least the people wearing it like this don't think it does very much medically. But it signals to you that he's a good person. He's on the left. He's taking the virus very seriously, except when it involves uh, racial riots. Then the virus doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's merely a signal to people of what side of the political aisle he is on. And, and we've been making that point on this show for weeks now. And the left has been attacking and saying, that's outrageous. That's crazy. Well, there's your evidence. There's your evidence right there. It, he is wearing it in such a way that it cannot possibly do the thing that he's saying it does. But he's got to have it there anyway to signal who he is. That wasn't even the craziest part of the Biden speech. Biden then went on to make a comment about the riots and protests that is outrageous on its face. And yet actually, practically, Joe makes a pretty good point. He says that the effect of George Floyd's death has been greater than the effect of Martin Luther King's death. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's Mm -hmm. death did. Sure. Ridiculous on its face. I mean, a lot of people have focused on George Floyd's criminal career, basically. You know, George Floyd was in and out of prison. He doesn't seem to have turned his life around, despite left-wingers trying to protest to the contrary. Obviously, none of that justifies George Floyd being killed unjustly. But people, even some people on the left are pointing out and saying, you know, we shouldn't shouldn't turn this man into a secular saint uh, because that's going to that's going to be contradicted by some of the facts of his life. Okay. Compared to Martin Luther King, you know, these two guys are are not on the same plane. And yet, the point that Joe Biden's making about the, the deaths of these two men actually might be true. The death of Martin Luther King Jr. did not cause weeks and weeks and weeks of riots and looting that were then defended by the people who were running the elite institutions that were then being sort of granted as a premise that people should loot to express their anger. The death of Martin Luther King Jr., which was nationally traumatic, did not cause this intense radicalism that we're seeing from the death of George Floyd. And it's not even a normative observation, right? It's not even saying we should be reacting this way. Joe Biden is just saying that is the effect of the reaction. It's actually probably the best point he's made so far in the campaign. We'll take a little bit of a look at the effects of that and and who is pushing the radicalism in a second. There's a new poll out that is, that really opens the curtain, I think, on who's pushing this radicalism. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, I got to thank you for subscribing to the Michael Knowles Show YouTube channel. We have officially passed Drew Clavin on YouTube subscribers. This is very important. This makes me feel very good. We put a lot of stuff over there, bonus interviews, segments, breakouts. We have my Matt Walsh challenge that just uh, came out there about the woke celebrity cringe video. So go check that out. We've got an interview with Steve Deese of The Blaze. Also, right now, you know you're getting a ton of lies from the mainstream media. Sometimes you just got to go get the facts. Where are you going to get that? Dailywire.com. You can get the Reader's Pass 
It's cheap, guys. It's three bucks a month, all right? It's not, and yet for you, I'm willing to take two thirds off that. That's my gift to you. Just 99 cents for the first month. Head on over. You get a whole lot of great stuff, a lot of in-depth analysis. So head on over dailywire.com slash subscribe. First month for 99 cents. Come on back. We got a lot more. Big new poll out on the radicalism we've seen in the past few weeks. This comes from Yahoo and YouGov. Poll asks a few questions and everyone's looking at it through the lens of race. Lens of race is not, I think, the biggest finding here. So question, what's a bigger problem in America right now? Systemic racism in policing or vandalism and violence during the protests? What's the bigger problem in America? The thing that the rioters are ostensibly protesting or the rioters burning down the cities themselves? When you ask people who make less than $50,000 a year, 49% say the systemic racism in policing, 51% say the riots. So it's a slim majority, but most people say the riots are the bigger problem. If you make over $100,000 a year, Many, many more people say it's the systemic policing racism that's the problem. Many, many fewer people say it's the riots, 58 to 42. The big divide here is not necessarily race. The big divide here is on income. And it's the poorer people who say the riots are the problem. And it's the richer people who say it's the systemic violence and racism. Maybe, depending on how much you listen to the mainstream media. That's the opposite of what you might expect. Next one. Do you personally have racial biases? Yes or no? Well, if you make less than $50,000 a year, 15% say yes. 73% say no. If you make over $100,000 a year, 32% say yes, more than double. And only 45% say no. So fewer than half say they don't have racial biases. The richer you are, the woker you are. Is it okay for NFL players to kneel during the national anthem? Right, they're protesting the American flag itself. If you make under $50,000 a year, 49% say yes, that's less than half if you're not a math genius, and 36% say it's not okay. If you make over $100,000 a year, 63% say yes, 29% say it's not okay. You're much more likely to support the NFL celebrities protesting our American flag if you're rich than if you're poor. Again, might be the opposite of what the mainstream media are telling you. Do you support or oppose Colin Kaepernick when he protested racial injustice, allegedly? Under $50,000 a year, 38% support, 37% oppose. If you make over $100,000 a year, 55% support, 36% oppose. Same thing. We see the same thing there. Same thing on questions for the need for police reform, reform or defund the police. This one to me is the most interesting. Only 22% of people who, are under, who make under 50 grand a year say they support defunding the police. That number rises to 32% if you make over $100,000 per year. Why? Because if you make a lot of money, you don't rely on the police as much because you're more likely to live in a nice neighborhood where crime is not as much of a problem. And so what you say is you want to defund the police, which is disproportionately going to hurt minority people who disproportionately live in lower income neighborhoods. This is the, this happens all the time. Okay. Rich, largely white liberals 
espousing their woke social justice to end up hurting poor racial minorities. Another interesting bit from this poll, just to tuck away in your mind, Trump's Hispanic support right now is at 35%, according to it, which is, that's obviously going up against Biden. That's higher than the numbers enjoyed by John McCain or Mitt Romney, even though Trump is allegedly anti-Hispanic because he says he wants to build a wall and cut illegal immigration. He still does better than political moderates like Romney and McCain. Some people might say rhinos or squishes. He still does better. Turns out Hispanic voters, especially when it's up against Biden, prefer someone to be a little tougher, a little more conservative and state, state what they think. No surprise, the loudest voices stoking the unrest and the politically convenient race riots come from rich white liberal celebrities. Here's the video that took Twitter by storm. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. They all take responsibility. For every unchecked moment. For every time it was easier to ignore than to call it out for what it was. Every not so funny joke. Every unfair stereotype. Every blatant injustice. Oh, there she is. I know who she is. Every time I remain silent. Every time I explained away police brutality. Don't know who that is. Or turned a blind eye. I take responsibility. I do know that, Julianne Moore. Black people are being slaughtered in the streets, killed in their own homes. These are our brothers and sisters, our friends, our family. We are done watching them die. We are no longer bystanders. We will not be idle. Enough is enough. I will no longer allow an unchecked moment. All right, cut it there. Cut it there. You, you get the idea. This goes on and on. First thing that shocked me is I don't know who most of these people are, which I guess is a good thing because it means that Hollywood's stranglehold over the culture is loosening up a little bit. Uh, next thing I noticed, Julianne Moore just completely wrong here. Uh, black people are not being slaughtered by racist cops or broadly racist whites. It just isn't happening. You can check the statistics. Deborah Messing here, clearly just reading from a sheet of paper. She did not even memorize her sappy bit about I'm, I'm, taking responsibility. Aaron Paul is a worse actor than we thought he was from Breaking Bad. I thought that guy was a very good actor, but his performance here, not so great. But the key, the key to this whole video is, is that last guy who looks familiar, but I don't recognize him. Like I don't, I don't know his name. We will not allow an unchecked moment. You heard it at the top. That was the original thesis of the video. We will not allow an unchecked moment. What that means is telling people to shut up if they disagree with the left. The checking, that's the checking, is shut up. Don't say that thing you think. Don't voice that opinion that contradicts the leftist narrative. And that's what they want. They want you to shut up. I, we want them to shut up, but they want us to shut up. And it's not, they're just mouthpieces for this left-wing establishment. They are insufferable. But even Dave Chappelle, who is a very good comedian, came in and he got on this, this bandwagon supporting the peaceful riots. He did so for a sort of interesting reason. So he opens up his new, his new comedy set talking about George Floyd, not in a comedic way. He's just talking about it very seriously. Then he criticized our friend Candace Owens, which also wasn't funny. It was just a vulgar kind of line. It wasn't even a joke. Then he defended these idiot celebrities that we just saw giving their opinions. And it was kind of interesting how he defended them because he said, People trust celebrities. That's why they keep going back and watching them. They do have a, an influence in a platform. And so it makes sense for them to talk. And I guess that's true. We shouldn't trust them for 
much of what they have to say about politics if we only know them for being good at performing on camera, you know, if we only know them for being good at reading lines that other people have written for them. But we do, and, and that's a reality, and Dave Chappelle's acknowledging that. But then the most interesting part is how Dave Chappelle defends the riots. When they figured out what this was, no less than 400 police officers showed up and answered the call. And boy, let me tell you something, they Swiss cheeses. He is dead as dead could be. He is done. And you know why 400 cops showed up? Because one of their own was murdered. So how the f can't they understand what's going on in these streets? We saw ourselves like you see yourself. Dave is actually making about half a good point here. And the thing that's funny is because he attacked Candace Owens in his set, he then later goes on, apparently obliviously, to make the same point Candace Owens did on identity. What Candace Owens said in her video was, I don't identify with George Floyd. I know that people are trying to say that I need to have racial solidarity with George Floyd, but I don't identify with George Floyd. And I disagree with the decision to elevate people who commit a lot of crimes as representatives of the community. That's her point. Whether you agree with it or, not, or disagree with it, that's the point she was making. And so she's saying, I don't identify with him simply on the basis of his race. And what Chappelle is saying is we must identify with these people simply on the basis of their race. The reason why when, when cops get killed, why the cops show up overwhelmingly to take down the criminal, which is the first part of the story he's telling, is because they killed one of their own. And now when someone kills one of our own, we show out in the streets. What is your identity? Where do you find your identity? The left is trying to stoke all sorts of identity, racial identity, uh, no, not white identity, but for every other race, they're trying to stoke racial identity politics. Sexual identity, if you're attracted to men and you're a man, or if you're a man who identifies as a woman, they're trying to stoke that sort of thing. Class identity, you know, uh, socioeconomic class identity, do you not make a lot of money? Do you, yes, make a lot of money? They're trying to stoke all of these kinds of identity, and they're all pretty shallow. The one identity that they're trying to destroy is American identity. That's why they're trying to tear down the statues. They're trying to tear down not just Robert E. Lee, they're trying to tear down Christopher Columbus, and they are going to tear down George Washington. Where it hasn't happened already, it will happen soon, okay? That's the, the only identity that in any way can make this nation work is if you have a strong, perhaps even primary, or at least up at the top, identity as an American, regardless of your race, regardless of your sexual preferences, whatever. That is ebbing away. I mean, they are now openly protesting the American flag, which is the symbol of that very identity, and they're stoking all of the other kinds. And even guys who are usually fairly insightful or funny, like Dave Chappelle, are agreeing with that take on it. Where is your identity going to be? That's the question, okay? Is this really a radical thing? Yes, it is. Okay, they're talking about serious, destructive things. You hear defund the police, and a lot of people are trying to make sense of that. The Hill says, what does defund the police actually mean? Okay, that's, that's their headline. What exactly does it mean to defund the police? That's from New York Magazine. Well, the New York Times comes out and actually admits it. This is from the organizer against criminalization, Mariame Kava. What does that mean? I have no idea organizer against criminalization. That's a good job. I wonder how much that pays. Mr. Soros, how much does that pay? The headline, yes, we must literally abolish the police. That's what they're talking about. And 
when they do that, we're going to be very far gone. It's going to be very hard to, to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. When you totally destroy law and order, when you defund the police, when you destroy your identity as an American and you smash it up into little pieces and you've got the black piece and the black trans piece and the gay piece and the Hispanic piece and the gay, all of them, all the different little pieces, you're not going to be able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So we got to be very clear about what we're doing before we smash it. When we smash law enforcement, we are smashing the order of the country. And then I think that's the point of the radicals. They're pretty open about this. They want to destroy the order of the country and then put it back together again in their own way. They want to smash a lot of eggs and then make a new omelet. All right, this is the rhetoric that we've heard all the way going back to Stalin and Lenin and, and even before that. In, in the face of all of this, you have some very well-meaning people, conservatives, moderates, independents, a lot of Christians, a lot of Midwestern Christians I've noticed, asking, is it a good idea to just give in a little bit, to kneel. As I, I had this discussion with a friend of mine last night because uh, some churches resumed over the weekend and a lot of them are buying the BLM radical line. And they're saying, look, it's actually an example of Christ-like humility to get down and kneel to this political ideology. You saw those videos of the secular liturgy of, of you know, random white liberals just kneeling, kneeling down on the street and begging forgiveness of random black people. They never, the random white person didn't do anything to the random black person, but they're still kneeling down in this liturgy. Is there, is there an evidence of Christ-like humility here, right? Christ turns the other cheek, right? Christ washes people's feet. Christ says, love your persecutors, right? Christ says all these sorts of things. Take the worst seat at the table. I think that's why a lot of nice, well-meaning conservative Christians in the Midwest are buying into this stuff. On the other hand, it's very unchristlike to acquiesce to evil. And Marxism is evil. And Black Lives Matter, or forget Black Lives Matter, whatever the next Marxist front group is going to be, is evil too, okay? They're pushing very evil things. We went through the About Us section the other day on the show. Is Black Lives Matter about Black Lives Mattering? No. According to their own website, it's, it's about destroying the, quote, Western prescribed nuclear family. It's about creating a bunch of comrades. It's about pushing the same explicitly Marxist revolutionary values that we've seen for hundreds of years. And those the point of those values is not to reform things a little bit. It's to utterly destroy them. It's not to, you know, change a little something about our understanding of a statue. It's to rip down the statue. It's not to reform the police just a little bit. It's to abolish the police. Believe them when they tell you that. Believe Black Lives Matter when the website tells you that. Believe the New York Times when they tell you that, okay? There is nothing humble or Christ-like or wonderful about acquiescing to evil, about acquiescing to anarchists and looters and rioters and violent people taking over the country and ripping apart the greatest civilization in the history of the world. Ironically, the only civilization in the history of the world that ever came to oppose racism, right? But that's not the point. The race issue isn't the point. It's about totally undermining the society. Are you going to acquiesce to that or not? There's no middle ground. There's no, but you're not going to get halfway down to kneel. You're not going to give them a little bit of their premises. Like, unfortunately, I think even some people at the highest levels of the federal government are doing. You're not going to get, there's no, it's yes or no. F the police, f -f fund the police, okay? <laughs> like abolish our order or maintain our order with great strength. 
Those are the two choices. If you stand in the middle of the road, you are going to get hit by a truck. It is going to be the truck of radical leftist revolution. Pick a side. This is not the time to go squishy. Order will be maintained. Either radicals are going to force it on us or we're going to maintain it ourselves. Your choice. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, and frankly, even if you didn't, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, Nika Geneva. Production assistant, Ryan Love. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental and that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen.